is here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Our number is 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. You know, it is a horrible disgrace when people put their lives on the line for us. Themselves too, but specifically for us. We went into Afghanistan to get Osama bin Laden, and we went into Afghanistan to get the Taliban too, because they gave him safe haven and protected him. And so we're leaving. And the manner in which we're leaving is a disgrace. We have a major base there with significant numbers of of, uh, advanced weaponry. And we leave under cover of dark, one or two in the morning, without telling the Afghanistan military. And so the Taliban sweep into this base and take the weapons. We have people who assisted us at great threat to their own lives, interpreters, drivers, and others. And this administration is not doing everything humanly possible to get them all out of there. That's not who we are. That's not what the United States military does. It's one thing to leave. It's it's another thing to leave the way we're leaving. How do we ever expect to get the support of indigenous peoples in different parts of the world when Biden and company conduct themselves this way? I remember the end of the Vietnam War. I was a teenager, but I remember the end of the Vietnam War. And I remember Congress cutting off funds for the war. Against the wishes of then-President Gerald Ford. And people there who had supported us 
desperately trying to get on any kind of boat, life preservers, tires, trying to get out of that country because they knew they would be slaughtered, and 80,000 people were slaughtered. And I remember the helicopter leaving the embassy and people holding on to it, eventually letting go, desperately trying to get on helicopters, anything they could. As the communists, the Viet Cong, the North Vietnamese, swarmed over what was left of South Vietnam and Saigon, now Hanoi City, or whatever they call it. I thought that was a disgrace. This is a disgrace. People are going to be executed. Their families are going to be executed. If we don't get our allies... That is, the people who helped us out of there. Now, we have wide open borders. We have MS-13 coming into this country. We have narcos coming into this country. We have sexual predators coming into this country. We have all kinds of people coming into this country who haven't contributed a damn thing to this country. And Biden and his party bend over backwards. They pretend nothing's going on down there. It doesn't matter how horrific the circumstances are. We have to rely on the BBC and Fox only pretty much to tell us what's going on down there. CNN and MSNBC, the New York Times, the Washington Post, none of them give a damn. CBS, NBC, ABC, none of them give a damn what's going on. Thousands and thousands of children kept in tighter and tighter quarters and tents. Instances of rape, instances of molestation, child molestation, lice, the coronavirus. And the poor men and women of ICE and the Border Patrol are doing everything humanly possible. But the numbers are just unbelievable. And Biden doesn't care. In fact, he hopes to make it worse. This is your Democrat Party. Absolute inhumanity while they pretend to care about people. They don't care about a damn person. It's all about power. So they moved up the date to get out of Afghanistan to the last day in August. Because it was originally on 9-11. And they decided that didn't look good. That was a bad narrative. So they moved up the date. Not because... It makes sense because it doesn't make sense. And now these poor people will suffer. I hear people say, we can't fix Afghanistan. Quite right. Alexander the Great couldn't. The Russians couldn't. We can't either. I got it. But what does that have to do with anything? We said we're leaving. What does that have to do with anything? That doesn't mean you take people who who confided in us, who assisted us, our troops, and just pretend it never happened. Now we're out of there. What about them? Anybody walks across our border, they're welcome with open arms. These individuals who allied with us, 
They have to beg? They have to hope they can get, get out of Afghanistan? Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing to you? It sickens me. It makes me sick to my stomach to know that we're conducting ourselves this way. We have this, this Millie, this head of the Joint Chiefs in front of Congress, lecturing us about critical race theory, and it became clear he's an absolute imbecile on the subject, knows nothing about it. We have the head of the uh, Naval Operations in front of Congress, strongly defending critical race theory, another moron who has no idea what he's talking about. We have the Secretary of Defense who plays Helen Keller. He doesn't see anything. He doesn't hear anything. He doesn't know what the hell's going on at the Pentagon. Meanwhile, they can't even manage a withdrawal. They can't even manage a withdrawal of what? Five, six, seven thousand troops? They can't even manage that. You better believe Xi and the communist Chinese are eyeballing this, and they see nothing but chaos, weakness. That Putin is eyeballing this, sees nothing but chaos and weakness. The Islamo-Nazi regime in Tehran sees chaos and weakness. All of our enemies, all of them. They say, how could we be so lucky? How could we be so lucky? Why do you think communist China and fascistic Russia are building up their military like never before? Why do you think Iran is advancing its nuclear capabilities like never before? Why do you think Hamas attacked Israel within three or four months of the election of Joe Biden. Why do you think these things are happening? Because they're all poised. They're poised to act. They're poised to get whatever they can get while this administration's in power. Where are all the humanitarians? Where are they? Where are all the left-wing Democrat think tanks and front groups? Where are they? Where's Doctors Without Borders? Where's, uh, you name them. Where are they? Nowhere. Nowhere at all. Where are the Democrats in the House and the Senate? Where's Schumer? Where's Pelosi? Nowhere. No problem for them. Doesn't affect them. We can't win wars if we treat allies this way. We can't win wars if we treat allies this way. The Taliban are now taking over that country, Afghanistan. We're going to have to deal with that. Somehow, some way. Do you think they're going to sit there quietly? These are terrorists. They're terrorists. You think they're going to say, okay, America's left, so... No, the problem was, power was projected by these terrorists through Osama bin Laden from there into our country. Where do you think terrorists live? They live in these caves. They live in mountains. They live in deserts. That's what they do. That's who they are. And they plot. But this is a disgrace watching this. 
It's like watching the border. It's like watching the war on the cops. It's like watching the undermining of the United States military financially in this critical race, uh, a racist theory and all the rest of it. It's, it's just appalling what these people are doing to our country. I'll be right back. Lovin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Now, while these poor Afghans, Muslim Afghans, who supported the United States, are having difficulty coming to the United States, and many of them have a death warrant out for them and their families, we deal with Rashida Talib, whose parents immigrated to the United States from the Palestinian areas in the Middle East. You see, we don't have a functioning immigration system. So people who are loyal to this country, people who have demonstrated loyalty to this country, people who are escaping communism, who we should welcome with open arms, in many cases we don't. Meanwhile, reprobates and malcontents, extremists, Marxists, and in some ways... Islamists are brought into this country. And we had Zudi Jasser on my Fox show a couple of weeks ago, and he explained this in great detail. A Navy veteran, still in the reserve, Muslim American, family from Syria and other parts of the Middle East. You see, the vast majority of Muslims are patriotic Americans in this country. The vast majority. They're not represented by care. They're not defending Hamas. And yet there is Talib. Even more than anything else, she's a Marxist. She hates America. She's an anti-Semite. Typical of Marxists, for that, for that matter. But she hates America. And so, squad member... Rashida Talib, as they write in the Daily Mail, it's not squad member, it's Marxist member. Rashida Talib calls to defund Homeland Security and all border and immigration agencies as migrants continue streaming across the border. So she wants to get rid of the cops. She wants to get rid of Homeland Security. She wants to get rid of the Border Patrol. She wants to get rid of ICE. She's an enemy. I don't care if she's a citizen. She's an enemy. 
she doesn't represent the best interests of the United States. It's not a matter of some disagreements and so forth. She hates the country. She wants it to fail. She wants it to collapse. So this is from the Daily Mail. Rashida Tlaib called for the defunding of the Department of Homeland Security, and she slammed immigration enforcement for their handling of the border crisis. Let's take a listen. Go. The simple answer, answer to that question is we must eliminate funding for CPB, ICE, and their parent organization, DHS. Time after time, we have seen it as advocates on the ground, as human services agency on the ground, to continue to see over and over again that these agencies are inept uh, to humanely guiding migrants through our immigration system and further continue, instead, they further continue to terrorize migrant communities located within our communities. They constantly refer to us as terrorists while they defend terrorists. Hamas, the Muslim Brotherhood, uh, Islamic Jihad. They defend terrorist regimes. Syria, Iran, Abbas, and the like. And they hate this country. Hate it with a passion. And so you see the men and women of the Border Patrol and ICE, many, many of whom, by the way, are Hispanic Americans, who are doing everything humanly possible to take care of the enormous number of people coming over the border thanks to the decisions of Joe Biden. They conduct themselves like terrorists, you see. They conduct themselves like terrorists. This is a big-mouth, know-nothing fool. That's what she is. And she will use whatever she can to try and undermine this nation. Because she hates it. She buys into all these Marxist movements. The Squad. Oh, what a nice name, The Squad. It's not The Squad. It's a gaggle of radical Marxists who despise everything associated with this country. That's who they are. And that's what they promote. So we should eliminate the Border Patrol, ICE, and the Department of Homeland Security. Meanwhile, Israel's an apartheid state. Uh, Israel should be pushed into the sea. I mean, on and on and on with this lunatic. I'll be right back. The Mark Levin Show. Live and national at 877-381-3811. Just five days left before the official release of American Marxism. Uh, We have over 200,000 pre-orders across the board, uh, mostly hardback. Those of you who haven't jumped in yet, may I encourage you to do it. Every now and then Amazon runs out of books, and then you'll see, oh, not in stock for a week or two weeks. Even though we feel there's enough books, you never know. So I would encourage you to jump in as soon as you can and get in the queue. And so on July 13th, when the book is released, it'll show up at your doorstep. Tomorrow night on Hannity's TV show for the full hour, uh, that will be the first interview, pre-book release, of American Marxism. On Sunday, on my show, Life, Liberty, and Levin, for the first half of the show, I will begin us begin the process on our journey, taking step-by-step step a discussion 
of American Marxism as well. In the second half of the show, we have the great Robert Bob Woodward, who I've known for 40 years, a great patriot, former civil rights activist. On Tuesday, excuse me, on Sunday morning, I will be doing Fox and Friends Sunday. On Tuesday morning, I will be doing Fox and Friends. We will also be doing the Jesse Waters show soon thereafter. Maria Bartiroma, um, Martha McCollum, who's just terrific. They all are. Also, a media research center with Brent Bozell, who is terrific. Our friends at Breitbart, Alex Marlowe. You've already perhaps seen two reviews by Jeffrey Lord of the American Spectator. Uh, outstanding. And by uh, Brent Bozell, his review also uh, at Breitbart. We have linked to those two reviews. Uh, Mr. Producer, will you see if they're on the uh, Levin TV website, please? And also, we put them up on Parlor. So we're really geared up now. All we need is you. All we need is you. This is a substantive book. This is a book that will walk you through um, one piece of information after another. And I saw somebody post a comment that says, all right, all right, we already know a lot of this stuff. What do we do? Folks, you got to ignore somebody like that. I said the last chapter talks about things that I think we can do. But the hotheads who don't have any ideas, who do not participate in any of these things and shoot from the sidelines, I'm not interested in them. Nor am I interested in what the corrupt media have to say about you and me. This is a massive national town hall meeting behind this microphone. It is the only one that exists. We will use this platform and my other platforms to discuss what's going on, to discuss what we do about it. I will give you my ideas. You can give me your ideas. I notice when television covers these different school boards, it's one in Kansas, one in Virginia, one in New York. And so this is very, very important. But there's over 15,000 school districts. And the NEA and the AFT are in all of them. And they're pushing this poison to destroy our country. Or when you hear cover-up efforts now, and MSNBC and CNN and other outlets, where they say, first of all, critical race theory is not being taught, or you don't understand critical race theory, you're going to be armed with all this information, and they're going to look like the fools that they are, corrupt fools. But we have bigger, bigger problems than that. There are more issues out there than that. There are fanatics who seek to undermine this economic system and shrink the economy. It's not about global warming or climate change or a Green New Deal. It's a war on capitalism. And it is part, again, of this American Marxist movement. The open borders are open for a reason, ladies and gentlemen. It's not an accident. It's on purpose. Yes, to change the demographics, but even more than that. And we'll talk about that, too. Then we have this issue of transgendering. It's not an issue of people do what people do. That's fine, but... That's not what's happening. That's not what's happening. We're trying to mainstream something that is not mainstream. There, I said it, and I mean it. Trying to mainstream something that is not mainstream. So, you know, morals, customs, traditions under attack, institutions under attack. And this isn't by accident. And I also want to thank Brent Bozell for not only his outstanding review and Jeffrey Lord for his outstanding review, both of which have been posted on Parlor. 
had a fantastic interview with Brent Bozell earlier today that will be up on Media Research Center's site and other places. And it really helps when the interviewers actually read the book because it was clear he did. Clear he did. So now's the time. The time has come. Long overdue, if you ask me. Long overdue. We did everything we could. I finished the book three months ago and turned it in. We've talked a lot about it at a relatively general level. We put a lot of information out there. You can already see the response on cable TV and talk radio and columns. Things are being discussed that were never discussed before. Many people are active who weren't active before. Now the air cover and the infantry. We're coming now. Peacefully. Politically. Culturally. But now the big wave of red-blooded Americans of all colors, all backgrounds, all faiths, who love this country. Now we're going to move. Now we're going to step up. And we need something to rally about. How many times have you heard callers say, Mark, what should we do? What should we do? I hope you'll read the book. I hope the libraries have the book for those of you who can't afford it or don't wish to purchase it. I hope when you read the book, you'll hand it to another person to read. If you're in a position to to hand out several copies, I hope you'll do that. We need an army of red-blooded American patriots who believe this country is worth saving. And I think it is. Our children and our grandchildren are depending on us. They are our precious souls. They are our hearts. And it's up to us to step up. Every generation has to do it. Now this is our generation's call. It's very daunting. It's very complex. And so it's important to know what we're doing, what we're up against, where this stuff comes from, so that the the phonies, the frauds, who happen to become hosts on MSNBC and CNN, or somehow get a job as a quote-unquote journalist at the Washington Post or New York Times, or our faceless, nameless editorial writers on those same pages, or NBC and CBS and, and ABC, all of which are really Democrat mouthpieces. Chuck Todd and George Stephanopoulos, Jake Tapper, and all the rest of the conga line of the usuals, intellectually corrupt and dishonest. They don't matter to us. They're the people who are destroying this country and undermining it. They're out of the closet. They've told us who they are, and they tell us day in and day out, and night after night. They're static. And if they attack us, we will push back. We won't roll over. We won't be intimidated by their name-calling and their lies, and their efforts to smear us, more of the Marxist mindset and the smear machine, and character assassination. It's not going to stop us. There's too much at stake. Now, I, I want to make one of the announcements that I said there are two announcements, and this is the first. And I'm happy to announce that I will be hosting an exclusive virtual discussion and question and answer session for my book, American Marxism, 
on Saturday, July 17th, from 1 to 2 p.m. Eastern Time. And my friends at Bookends Bookstore in Ridgewood, New Jersey, they're great. That's one of the bookstores we like. They're going to co-host this event. Each ticket purchased from their website will include one access to this virtual discussion and a signed book with a book plate, copy of my brand new book. To join me at this event, you go to Bookends website at www.book-ends.com. We've also put this up on my parlor site. And you can purchase tickets to attend this virtual event. And I think you're going to enjoy it. Looking forward to also answering as many of your questions during this event as time allows. So in the vast majority of circumstances, either local ordinances or state rules or whatever the issue is, I still can't personally show up. There's a couple of exceptions that we're looking at, but very few. So any questions you have, you can also call bookends during their normal hours at 201-445-0726. 201-445-0726. Again, it's at Mark Levin Show Parlor. Uh, I have linked to this explanation. July 17th, Saturday, 1 to 2 p.m. Eastern. Uh, I'll have a discussion of American Marxism. I'll take some of your questions over there with our friends at Bookends Bookstore at Ridgewood, New Jersey. And uh, you get a ticket. You get a book signed with a book plate. That is a, uh, a, a book plate within the book that is signed. I've already signed them. And for each ticket you purchase, you'll be able to participate in the discussion too. It's a new world, folks. It's a new world, and that's kind of how it works in most of these, these places right now. Even the big chains are not allowing for book signings at this point. But I hope this at least provides some opportunity. So you don't have to be from New Jersey. You can be from Montana. You can be from Maine. Anybody can participate in this. Just go through the Bookends Bookstore in Ridgewood, New Jersey. Again, if you have any questions during business hours, you can call 201-445-0726. All right, ladies and gentlemen, the time has come. Here it is. You ready? You excited? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. The second of two big announcements will be made right at the top of the hour, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, in about 12 minutes, right after we come back. People in California particularly, you better pay attention. You're going to have to move very, very quickly. That's a big, big heads up. You see how they try to destroy people with whom they disagree. Not just disagree with them, debate them. Well, Rudy's license has been suspended in New York. The former Southern District of New York, famous United States attorney. The greatest mayor in modern history in New York. His license was suspended because he was an advocate for the President of the United States in his election. We have sleazeball lawyers all over this country who represent mass murderers, who represent racists, supremacists, Marxists, who lie through their teeth for a living, 
who cut corners. They're out there by the thousands and the thousands. Rudy Giuliani is not one of them. But New York, well, the law is a little different in New York. You can have an attorney general in New York who says, while she's running for office, I'm going to get Trump. Trump shouldn't be president of the United States. I'm going to bring charges against Trump. Then she's elected attorney general in New York. She joins in with the Manhattan DA. Of course, they have nothing. But anyway, she, goes, she has her people go into court. She should have been recusing. The whole office should have been recusing. Some judge should have said something. The bar in New York should have said something. Nothing. But Rudy Giuliani is now public enemy number one. Well, it just got worse. The Associated Depressed, Washington, D.C., The District of Columbia Court of Appeals, which now is majority Democrat because they they packed that court. They added seats to that court when Obama was president and Harry Reid was the leader of the Senate. Suspended Rudy Giuliani's Washington, D.C. law license Wednesday pending the disposition of his New York suspension. In a two-page order, the court cited the action last month by a New York appeals court, and so Giuliani is, quote, suspended from the practice of law in the District of Columbia pending final disposition of this proceeding. They have nothing better to do, I guess. But this is what happens when they are in charge. Mayhem in the streets, mayhem at the border, transitioning from an open capitalist economic system into an iron-fisted, centralized economic system. Inflation going through the roof. The price of gasoline is out of control. It's up 40%. And when fuel's up 40%, everything related to it, production, you know, trucks who bring us our food, plastics, our food wrapped in, cellophane, all goes through the roof. And you can see it's all... Have you been to a drive through fast food place lately, Mr. Producer? You can't get a meal for less than five bucks. And I saw in front of uh, one of them, $17 an hour. Begging people to work for $17 an hour. Couldn't get them. Giuliani, former President Trump lawyer throughout throughout his efforts to have the 2020 election overturned, was suspended. Now, we have Democrats who've tried to overturn Republican elections. They tried to overturn the 2000 election. Any of them suspended? We have four years, five years, however many years of the Russian collusion hoax. All kinds of lawyers. Lawyers in elected office, professors who are lawyers, lawyers on TV, lying through their teeth, telling us what's going to happen. It was an absolute manufactured phony issue. It was a fiction. Not a single one of them has been suspended. Not a one. I feel bad for what's happening to Rudy Giuliani. It's a disgusting disgrace. Big announcement. As soon as we come back, please stick with us, and I'll be right back. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. 
Hello, America. This is Mark Levin. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. As far as I know, at least up to this point, we will be doing one live signing in a place where we're actually allowed to do a live signing. And it's become a tradition with me and my books and my next guest, John Highbush is the great executive director of the Reagan Library and Foundation. And John Highbush, I believe you have an announcement to make. How are you, sir? I am terrific, Mark. I'm just terrific. And yes, this is a tradition. And yes, I have an announcement. Would you like to hear it, Mark? Well, I think so. (laughs) Okay. Like you said, Mark, only place in the entire United States for someone to come to a live signing of American Marxism, your newest book and best book, I might add, is going to be here at the Reagan Library on Saturday, August 14th. And the book signing, where Mark will appear live, is from 1.30 in the afternoon until 5.30 in the afternoon. After that, if you want to stay for dinner with Mark... Uh, Mark's going to be with us at dinner from 6 o'clock until 7 o'clock. He has a program where he first speaks, and then from 7 o'clock to 8.30 or 9 o'clock, depending upon how tired Mark is at the end of the day, um, we'll have dinner. So, uh, you know, Mark, when we've, when you and I have made this announcement before, uh, <laughs> the phone lines get jammed, the computers darn near crash, and I'm sure that's what's going to happen again. If you want to come see Mark for this, you need to go online right away. Otherwise, the tickets are going to be sold out, I'm sure, in under 10 minutes. So Where do people go? You have a precise location for them. We do. We do, Mark. It's at reaganfoundation.org forward slash Levin. So I'll say it again. It's reaganfoundation.org forward slash Levin. That's where you can make your reservations to join us. That's where you can pre-purchase a book if you'd like. That's where you can get organized and find your way out here. But I really, really urge people, if they want to come, don't wait. Sign up right now or you're going to lose your chance. And I want to thank the hospitality of John Highbush and the crew over there at uh, the Reagan Library. Now, folks, it isn't a joke. It's serious. Like, we get a lot of people complaining later. If you want to get in, you've got to act now. Go to reaganfoundation.org slash Levin. reaganfoundation.org slash L-E-V-I-N. If you want to get in, as far as I know, it's going to be the only live event that I'm able to attend for a number of reasons. Uh, but the foundation is opening its doors to us, as it does every two years, thanks to our buddy John Highbush and the, uh, and the foundation staff there, which are just terrific. It's a magnificent library. You can spend the entire day or you stay overnight and the next day. Reaganfoundation.org slash Levin. I will sign the books. Uh, in addition, I will speak for an hour. After that, they have a wonderful dinner. And it will be a memorable day for everybody. Reaganfoundation.org slash Levin. Now, how many available slots, if you will, are there for signings or dinner or what have you, John? Well, first I'll say, Mark, if, if someone doesn't sign up right away and they miss the chance to see you live or to have dinner with you, 
you can still come up to the Reagan Library during that day, the whole afternoon, and you can get in line and you can get a book signed by Mark, but we really encourage you, if you want to stay for dinner with Mark and, and go to the event where he speaks, you need to register right away. And, you know, Mark, I think um, we will, you know, people hanging from the rafters, it's about 1,300 people. What we also do is we open up these alternative viewing sites. Now, you're not right there in the room with Mark while he's speaking. You're kind of next door and you're watching a massive TV screen. But you can still go to the dinner. You can still get your book signed. And I think with those rooms, Mark, we can fit about an additional 500 people. So almost 200,000 people. No, no, 2,000. 2,000. Sorry, 2,000 people we can accommodate. But you can come up. If you don't get in, you can still come up and get your book signed. That's not a problem. So there you have it, folks. That's our, our big, uh, big, big, big event. I hope you'll, you'll join us at the ReaganFoundation.org slash Levin and, uh, and jump in and, uh, and order your tickets. I'd love to see you finally get out and about a bit. Uh, and, uh, John, we're going to check back with you a little later in the show to see how we've done. Is that okay? <laughs> You bet, Mark. That's going to be terrific. And, I, uh, you know, Mark, I, I can't tell you just how honored we are that you would do this for us, to be out at the Reagan Library. I know your appearances are so, so limited this time, and, and we're just so pleased to have you with us. Thank, thank you, Mark. Well, God bless you, John. And we'll check back uh, off air a little later in the program to see how things are going. Give our best to everyone at the library, John, and God bless you. You too, Mark. God bless you. All right. Take care. That's going to be exciting if you want in. Just trust me. You've got to jump now. You've got to move now. It's the same with the pre-orders. If you want a first edition copy of the book and you want it at around 40% off now at Amazon.com, you've, you need to jump in. Every two years I explain this and then people wonder, well, what happened? What happened? I'm just, I, I just know how this works. And in the case of this book, American Marxism, you know, I never thought I could outdo liberty and tyranny. I certainly never thought I could outdo all the books. And I don't try to outdo myself. I just try to do, stay focused and do the best I can. But a number of people have said to me now, Jeffrey Lord, who wrote a brilliant review over at the American Spectator that we've linked to on my parlor site, and we've linked to, I believe, on marklevinshow.com. Isn't that correct, Rich? And Brent Bozell wrote a brilliant review that we've also linked on marklevinshow.com on my parlor site. They both believe, having read all the other books, that this is the most crucial and important book. And um, during his interview of me today, which will be played shortly, but not not on this show, but later by MRC, uh, Bozo was very perceptive. He said, you quote these people, and then you explain them. So in other words... So the stuff's not esoteric, but it's very, very important. It's very important that people do not believe I made this stuff up because there's going to be charges like, oh, the new McCarthy. I can see the headline now. Or the Red Scare. And I need to confront that, and we will defeat it, and we will expose these people for the mouthpieces they are, celebrating these various movements. Celebrating these various movements. So... uh, I think you Levinites in particular, you're smart, you want substantive books, you want to discuss strategies and tactics, 
There's really no other place where you are discussing strategies and tactics. I call this the great national town hall meeting. That's exactly what it is. And, uh, and we're beginning tomorrow with the interview on Hannity. And then we move into Sunday uh, with Fox and Friends uh, Sunday. But these are, you know, rather truncated, truncated interviews. And then the first half of my show on Life, Liberty, and Levin on Sunday night. And then we're off to the races. I just want to make sure every one of you is with us and has your copy of American Marxism. As I said before, one of the men I admire so much is Thomas Paine. And one of the greatest documents ever written was 45, excuse me, 47 page long pamphlet on the American crisis. And George Washington thought so too. We were a country of about two, two and a half million people, 200,000 people. 10% of the population read that pamphlet. It would be as if 30 million people read the book. That's not going to happen. But that's why I mentioned Paul Revere. You're going to be the Paul Revere's too. We're going to spread the word. I think our fellow citizens who love this country, whether they be Democrat or Republican or nothing, whether they be black or white or brown or whatever, whether they be Gentile or Jew, regardless, whether they be fifth-generation citizen or newly minted immigrant, if you love this country, we'll put aside any superficial differences, and we will rally to the defense of our liberty, of the future for our children and our grandchildren. Folks, I'm not You know, I'm not a magician. I am a communicator. I'm a thinker. I'm a writer. I'm a talker. I'm not a political leader. I'm not a military leader. I'm none of that that sort of thing. And so that's not my goal. That's not my point. My point is to try and galvanize everybody who listens to this program, any of my other programs, Anybody who reads what I write. And you'll become the leaders. You'll become the great men and women. Who have stood up for the American Revolution. And have successfully countered the counter-revolution. We didn't ask for this. But it's here. It's in our face. We can't avoid it. And I hope you'll jump in with both feet. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. And I hope none of you feel left out. Because you can go to marklevinshow.com. We have an entire page on the book. And you can see various things we're doing. Events. How to order books and so forth and uh, we're trying to make it as user friendly as possible because my goal here is to get the word out we're going to overcome the media that is big media we're going to overcome big tech we're going to inform each other Uh, we're going to know which side is up and which side is down and um, we'll go through this and I actually start on my Sunday show at Fox I start the process the journey I call it of discussing the beginning of the book in a substantive way and this is a journey it's a journey to know what's uh, 
the substance. And again, as I say over and over again, these aren't our adversaries. These aren't our political opponents. These are the enemy. They view us as the enemy. Now they know who they are. I know who they are. And it's time that every American know who they are. Hence the title of the book, American Marxism. There's no red scare. There is a American Marxism ideology dressed up in various incarnations. I didn't make that up. That's what they tell us. That's what's in the book. So when they point to me, they're pointing at themselves. Now the media know exactly what they're doing. That's why there's a chapter on them and their participation in this. They know exactly what they're doing. They're corrupt. The Democrat Party is a bastardized political entity. It has been really since its earliest days. Pro-slavery, pro-segregation, pro-Jim Crow, anti-civil rights. That's who they are. Now they flip. They still oppose Americanism. They still oppose individualism. They still oppose freedom. It's just in a different form, in a different way now. I don't know why they hide from their Marxism. So many of their scholars write about it, are proud about it, wave the flag. But I guess it's because so many Americans are repulsed by the word Marx or Marxism that they had to pretend that they're pushing something else. But not anymore. Not anymore. We're undressing them. This in the New York Post. Progressives tell Biden to ignore China abuses for climate fight. This tells you more about who they are. A coalition of 48 progressive groups. That is a word that we are going to have to learn to use very sparingly. Because they steal the language as we talk about over and over again which is also discussed in this book, but has been discussed in this program for almost 20 years. They steal the language. They call themselves progressive. There's nothing progressive about them. And this started with the so-called progressive movement. About 40 years or so after the death of Karl Marx. The progressive movement. Doesn't that sound great? We're progressives. When they're tyrants and totalitarians. A coalition of 48 progressive groups, New York Post, are calling on President Biden and members of Congress to look past China's gross human rights abuses, including genocide, to ensure cooperation on climate action. In a letter to the White House and congressional lawmakers Wednesday, the groups demanded that the U.S. abandon its, quote, dominant antagonistic approach, unquote, to the Chinese Communist Party in order to work with the regime. I guess LeBron James is advising them. We, the undersigned organizations, call on the Biden administration and all members of Congress to askew the dominant, antagonistic approach to U.S.-China relations and instead prioritize multilateralism, uh, diplomacy, and cooperation with China to address the existential threat that is climate crisis. So the climate crisis is the existential threat. Not the massive military buildup of the communist Chinese regime. Not the enslavement of two and a half Muslims. And where are America's Muslims groups? groups? Why aren't they speaking out against this? Where is that, that radical, hateful group care? Nowhere. The groups 
which include Move On, the Sunrise Movement, and Code Pink, went on to disavow, quote, the escalating bipartisan anti-China rhetoric in both Congress and the White House, unquote, arguing it damaged, quote, the diplomatic and political relations needed to move forward boldly and cooperatively. Now, this was first reported by Politico, which, of course, is a digital rag of sorts for these various movements. And so, of course, the letter was leaked to them. Making no reference to a single concern of the international community regarding Beijing, the letter went on to claim that criticisms of China were being used to bolster racist right-wing movements in the United States. So racist right-wing movements who are calling for protecting non-white Muslim Chinese, you see? So you must be a racist right-winger. Making no reference to a single concern. Like the pandemic, they write, in so many of our most urgent crises, climate change has no nationalistic solutions. To combat the climate crisis and build a global economy that works for everyday working people in the U.S. and China alike, we must shift from competition to cooperation. In other words, we must be devoured by the communist Chinese. We must abandon capitalism and your way of life. Not nearly enough attention has been paid to this fanatical, anti-capitalist, Marxist movement. One of many. Not enough attention at all has been paid to it, and I have an entire chapter of it on the book. Thousands and thousands of words where I expose it. This is not a clean air movement. Does it sound like one? This is a radical Marxist movement imported into the United States from Europe. It is, as I've told you many times, the degrowth movement. Now, how do I know that? Because they say so. That's how I know it. I can give you the names of their so-called scholars and icons and intellectuals. Right there in the book. I'll be right back. Mark Levin Show, where the Reagan Coalition meets every day. Call now, 877-381-3811. Go to reaganfoundation.org slash Levin, reaganfoundation.org slash L-E-V-I-N. They may be sold out by now. I have no idea. If you want to participate, Saturday, August 14th, it'll be my one live event, because that's really the only place I'm allowed to have a live event. If they aren't sold out already, you might want to jump in. If they are, I apologize. But that's Saturday, August 14, 1.30 p.m., reaganfoundation.org at the Reagan Library, slash Levin, reaganfoundation.org, slash Levin, a book signing. Also, we'll have a speech where I'll take questions and answers, and then a wonderful dinner. And, uh, you know, I was in the Reagan administration. I'm a huge fan of President Reagan. I campaigned for him in 76 and 80, so our attachment goes way, way back to President Reagan and the Reagan administrations and so forth. It's also a fantastic library. You're going to enjoy it. They have a fantastic staff, headed by John Highbush, who's been a longtime friend of this program and of you, and has done wonders at this library. So uh, they're half sold out. So if you want to jump in, you've got to jump in now, because the other half will sell out. Reaganfoundation.org slash Levin. Now, 
former Governor Wilder of Virginia. I've always liked this guy. He's sort of center, center left, but very independent. He's not really a party guy, uh, but he is the first African-American governor, I think, in the entire country. And certainly in Virginia, I believe he was elected in 1990. And he has a real problem with Terry McAuliffe. He has a real problem with the current governor of Virginia, with his white hood and his black face that he apologized for and then denied. And he posts on his site, his social site, the people deserve answers. He says, as I related to WRVA's Jeff Katz in a recent interview, I've been the beneficiary of much that has been done to eliminate the effects of racism in our state and nation. Sacrifices beyond compare and description were made by those mostly unnamed, unknown, regardless of race, to promote equality of opportunity and enhance possibilities. The statewide election this year in Virginia presents questions which require answers from those seeking to lead. Two years ago, Terry McAuliffe, remember he's the bagman for the Clintons, Terry McAuliffe called for all three persons occupying the offices of governor, lieutenant governor, and attorney general to resign. All three Democrats. Governor Northam had been shown pictured in his school's yearbook in blackface. And subsequent revelations by A.G. Mark Herring acknowledged appearing in blackface in 1985. What is it with this blackface in liberals and Democrats? Seriously. The media ran the story of two women accusing Lieutenant Governor Fairfax of sexual assault, actually rape, Denied by Fairfax, but former Governor McAuliffe, within minutes thereafter, proclaimed the accusations to be credible. I think credible, by the way. Today, McAuliffe is asking people to vote for the Attorney General, who served as his Attorney General, and seeks the continuing support of Northam. No reasons have been given to the voters as to Terry's change of mind, nor has any reason been made why McAuliffe felt compelled to violate Virginia's long-standing precedent by choosing to run again against persons who had far more experience, he means of the Democrat primary, than he, as he had never held elective office of any kind when he ran. All of the candidates he opposed except one were black, including two women, whom he felt not qualified to be given the chance that he'd been given. At last report, Governor Northam has withdrawn his apology for blackface, is what Northam and Herring did all right by any standard? Is McCullough going to tell the voters of the credible evidence that he has relative to Fairfax? Or does this suggest that if you're a black person in Virginia, if you've got to think about who you're going to vote for, then you ain't black. Stay tuned. He is really pounding McCullough because he's an old-time liberal. who by today's standards are relatively moderate. He doesn't buy this critical race theory stuff. He doesn't jump into that. But he is very concerned about Terry McAuliffe. He's right about one thing. We have a tradition in Virginia. You don't run for two terms, even skipping terms. But McAuliffe decided he would do it. And while these white, wealthy liberals pretend to care about diversity and the promotion of people of color and so forth, when it comes to their own power, their own financial interests, they can be damned. So he sees McAuliffe as a hypocrite and an exploiter.
Now McCulloch will come out and attack the Republican nominee, Youngkin, uh, on some race basis because that's not what Democrats are doing. And what former Governor Wilder is saying is, wait a second, you had a chance to support a black person for the nomination of the Democrat Party for Governor of Virginia, and you did something extraordinary. You broke the tradition of Virginia governors, and you ran against them and you defeated them. So you don't really believe in this stuff. You're a liar. You're a hypocrite. That's what he's saying. So many words. He's saying, what happened to Northam? You told him to resign. Does that whole blackface thing go away? Because Northam withdrew his apology? Well, for the editorial pages of the Washington Post, it actually has gone away. They like Northam. They like Fairfax. They like Herring. They like all the Democrats. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. It's like Biden. With Tara Reid. Yeah, we don't really want to look into it. You know, Jeremy Barr, the pimpled-faced, pervert-looking guy. Although I don't think he's a pervert, Mr. Producer. There's no evidence of that. None whatsoever that I'm aware of. Nonetheless, Jeremy Barr doesn't write about stuff like that. No. So he's saying, he's calling out. So now you support all the candidates, and you want their support who you insisted should resign. Two for racial reasons, and another one who was accused of rape by two women, credibly. Be interesting to see what the Washington Compost does with that too, won't it? Now he's up there in age, I'm sure, Governor Wilder. And he's, uh, no, he's no, he's no uh, how should I put it? He's not a member of the choir, is the way I should put it. He's not a loose cannon, but he's not a member of the choir. He's an independent thinker, and he sees this going on, and he calls it out. So they'll be attacking him soon enough. They'll attack him as a throwback and all the rest of it. But a lot of the Democrats have this problem. What I would have liked to see, if this is Governor Wilder's view, is to have had him speak out against Joe Biden. That may be a bridge too far. Joe! Do you denounce all your segregationist positions? Do you reject the fact that as a young senator, you said you didn't want to send your kids into a jungle with black people? Do you reject your close friendship and association with two segregationists from Mississippi? Joe, you basically called Robert Byrd a mentor, almost a father figure who took you under your arm, his arm. He was the Grand Klegel of the Ku Klux Klan for a period of time in West Virginia. Do you denounce that, Joe? And Joe, Tara Reid, her allegations really have gone effectively unanswered. Joe, it would have been nice. But Wilder's done more than most. In the media, the Chuck Todds, the Brian Steltzers, the Joy Reads, all the rest of them. Doesn't matter. You're accused of rape. You're accused of racism. Whatever it is, we have an agenda. We're fanatics. It is to advance that ideology. You don't really think we're journalists, do you? You don't really think we're, we're honest hosts, do you? We are propagandists. We have different roles. Meet the depressed. You know, MSLSD. 
constipated news network. But nonetheless, we are propagandists. That's our role. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Great piece in Issues and Insights. It's one of the great editorial sites as far as I'm concerned. And they point out that three of the big issues of the day have the liberal left, a.k.a. Marxism, American Marxist, scrambling to pretend that it's not a group of outside the mainstream radicals, defunding police, critical race theory, and voter ID laws. There should be repercussions for such craveness. After spending the better part of the year talking up a defund the police agenda. Democrats are now trying to claim that it's Republicans who want to strip the police of their resources. For more than a year, leading Democrats, up to and including President Joe Robinette Biden Jr., or, as he's also known, Wrong Way Joe, have talked up the idea of cutting police budgets because local law enforcement is plagued by racism. During his campaign, Biden was asked, do you believe there's systematic racism in law enforcement? He responded... What? 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 Where's my shoe? No, he responded, absolutely. In another interview, Biden was asked, can we agree that we can redirect some of the funding for the cops? Biden said, cops? What cops? No, he actually said, yes, absolutely. His running mate and now Vipe, I mean Veep, Kamala Harris, said the governments must re-examine where their funding is going. And it goes on and on. What about critical race theory? On Sunday, NBC's Meet the Press host Chuck Todd said that resistance to critical race theory was manufactured. And one of his guests, Cornell Belcher, a Democrat Party strategist, said it was nothing more than a tool in the racial tribal boogeyman's toolbox concocted for electoral purposes. Who the hell is that schmuck? Others on the left have said that critical race theory has been too broadly defined by opponents and legislatures that want to remove it from public institutions. It's just an insignificant school issue, they insist. Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. So why is the left trying to gaslight America on this? Because for one, an increasing number of parents are in open revolt over this noxious propaganda. Voter ID. That's the issue. Up until just days ago, Democrats were united in decrying voter identification laws as racist attempts to suppress minority voters, especially blacks. Biden compared a Georgia law that included a voter ID requirement as Jim Crow in the 21st century. Back in 2014, when he was vice president, Biden called voter ID laws an attempt to repress minority vote, masquerading as an attempt to end corruption. He always was a nitwit. Then-Senator Kamala Harris claimed that voter ID laws targeted African-Americans with almost surgical precision. Another idiot. Now suddenly, they are all more accepting of the voter ID idea, if not openly endorsing it. But instead of admitting that their past opposition to this common-sense reform was a wrong-headed attempt at race-baiting, Democrats are pretending they never opposed voter ID. No. What makes you think that. Stacey Abrams, the would-be Georgia governor in the past, had called voter ID laws simply a redo of failed system that is designed to both scare people out of voting and make it harder for those who are willing to push through, make it harder for them to vote. Uh, and with her run-on sentence. Now she claims that 
No one has ever objected to having to prove who you are to vote. It's been part of our nation's history since the inception of voting. And that saying anything else is one of the fallacies of Republican talking points that have been deeply disturbing. And I'm sure Chuck Todd was like a bobblehead. Up and, uh, right, uh, right. Why the sudden turnaround on this issue? Two reasons. Polls show widespread approval of voter ID laws. And the only chance Democrats have of getting their big bill to nationalize elections passed is to get voter ID supporting Joe Manchin on board. Another winner. Politicians will be politicians, of course. But if Trump, or any Republican for that matter, tried to so blatantly deceive the nation like this, we'd never hear the end of it. Written by the INI editorial board, and they're right about these three big issues. I'm going to tell you something. It should be a shock if the Republicans don't take the House. With the power that comes with gerrymandering, which the Democrats use in every state they control, so make no apologies. Don't stand down to these people. Stand up to them. And the issues they have to run on, look around you. The nation, politically, is on fire everywhere. On fire everywhere. The wrecking ball called Joe Biden is wrecking everything. And so hopefully these suburban women who were told, many of them voted for Biden, hopefully now they have come to their senses. And others who voted for Biden, hey, I don't like Trump's tweets, really? Do you like what's going on in the country? I think we can handle those tweets, don't you, ladies and gentlemen? I'll be right back. here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. We'll be taking calls this hour. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. The Democrats who run our major cities have no answer for how to deal with crime and a skyrocketing murder rate. No answer whatsoever. So they make one up. So that tells me the slaughter is going to continue. The slaughters continue, and they know that they're lying. They know that they're deceiving the public and their own communities. Representative Lauren Underwood is one of the liars, Democrat Illinois, and she's on the morning schmo show who's a buffoon, who would never dare press her hard or anybody else now on the left. He's a useful idiot, or maybe a useless idiot. Cut 14 on the morning schmo this morning. Go. What about in Chicago? What about in Chicago? Yeah, what about, what about in, in Oakland? What about in New York? What about across yes. America? We have to be very clear that our police officers um, do need support in their jobs. Well, okay? stop right there. That's amazing. Because I thought they were systemically racist, Mr. Producer. That we needed to defund them or slash their budgets. We needed to take away any form of limited immunity. That we needed to destroy them as individual human beings. And the entire institution 
But we have to be very clear. Our police officers do need support in their jobs, okay? Oh. Wow, okay, go ahead. Have the full benefits and pay and all that stuff. All that stuff, you know, pay them all that stuff, you know. This is a congressperson. Congressperson. Go ahead. ...jobs that they have. However, we also have to be very clear that it is unacceptable that folks continue to die at the hand of law enforcement in this country. And that Folks is what- don't continue to die at the hands of law enforcement in this country. But police officers are being killed in a record number. So, Lauren Underwood is a quintessential idiot. Go ahead. Reform is about. I think that we're muddling the issue here. This, what we have seen in the spike in crime, is not because the United States Congress is taking action to reform policing. In no, no, no. The spike in crime is coming even before you act. The spike in crime is a result of your party and various city councils and mayor's offices destroying your police force. The spike in crime is a result of left-wing Democrat judges appointed and elected who are letting career criminals, violent criminals, out of jail. The spike in crime, and particularly murder, is taking place because of Democrats, mayors and city councils and so forth, controlled by one party, uh, not wanting tough sentencing. In fact, they want bail reform, which has nothing to do with bail or reform. It's in the front door and out the back door. So these things have consequences. We're not talking about soft on crime. When you embrace criminals, and when you reject law enforcement, and when you play these critical race theory games, it costs lives. And mostly it costs black people their lives. And mostly it costs young black people their lives. And mostly it costs young black men their lives. But it includes little babies and little girls and moms and dads too. And until morons like Underwood get serious about what's going on in the cities and in this country, it's only going to get worse. Now lawlessness... War on the civil society serves nobody's purpose if you're law-abiding, regardless of your race. And especially if you're black. We see the consequences. The threat in the inner cities every three-day weekend, every weekend, every night when the sun goes down, is not from systemic, racist, violent police officers. It's from violent individuals in the community. And so here you have a fraud, Lauren Underwood, a Democrat, so she'll get elected no matter what she says, and a fraud, Joe Scarborough, who doesn't press her with data and facts. Because he's a sellout. Go ahead. More equitable to make it fair and safe in all of our communities. What we are seeing is a set of laws in this country that, you know, continue to allow, as Reverend Al said, guns that shouldn't be on the street to be on the street, that continue to um, allow people to purchase weapons of war. Hey, genius, genius. You're such a pathetic buffoon. Those guns on the street, for the most part, they're not acquired legally. 
any more than the drugs on the street are acquired legally. Any more than illegal aliens on the street are here legally. So they have gun control. And you know what it will affect mostly? Law-abiding citizens who own guns or want to own guns. It has never made any sense. In fact, it is insane to make the argument that all we need are more gun laws. Do you know it is illegal to murder somebody? It is illegal to batter and assault somebody. It's illegal to rape somebody. It's illegal to burgle. All these things are illegal already. Has that stopped people from doing them? No! So all of a sudden you're going to say, we're going to put you on a registry if you get a gun. Or we're going to prevent some gangbanger from getting a gun. You're not allowed to get a gun. Will he get a gun? Of course he'll get a gun. Go ahead. And use them freely. And we ah, can- shut up, you idiot. I don't even know why you're on TV. Except moron, the morning schmo, this is what he likes to do. Stupid stuff with stupid people. And he should know, being one. I mean, truly, ladies and gentlemen. And then, of course, we have Jen Psaki. Jen Psaki. Who is a master of everything. A renaissance woman. Ask her anything. Now, what she is, is a mime. She acts the part of a true press secretary. Because I'm sure when she goes back to her boss, the idiot, she has trouble understanding what he's saying. So the idiot to the idiot has to come up with her own idiotic comments. And they are knee-jerk. Let's take a listen, shall we? Cut 15, go. Is there any uh, push to you know, fund more um, efforts to equip police departments? Um, there's, you know, the White House position was that Republicans defunded police. Um, obviously, the Biden administration has talked a lot about the budget proposal for the COPS program, but there's been some pressure that the administration hasn't vocally enough talked about this spike in crime. So this is truly a stupid question. It incorporates the unhinged, corrupt, lies of Biden, the Democrat Party, and the media, that somehow the Republicans are responsible for defunding police. Now, you have to have put your head in a toilet and flushed it 25 times over the course of an hour, where your brain is soggy like a sponge, to be so stupid as to buy into that. But let's hear what the Pasaki has to say. Go. The president gave an entire speech on it and will continue to speak about uh, what he's doing. In other words, he's doing nothing. He's going after gun dealers. Like gun dealers are responsible. Like killers or would-be killers or gang members or drug pushers are coming into a store. Hey, yeah, I'd like to purchase a uh, a 9mm. Oh, okay. 357 Magnum? Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I, I would like to do that. I'd like to get some hollow points, please? Oh, sure. Uh, I need you to fill out this form. It's going to go through the FBI database. Uh, it's going to take about a half hour. I'd like you to fill it out. Do you have any past uh, criminal activity? What? Uh, what's your social security number? What? What's your name? What? I'm not giving you all that information, man. 
Now, those of us who have filled out these forms, this is so unserious. It's so ridiculous. That's not how killers get guns. They go into a gun dealer and fill out federal government forms and sit there and wait 30 minutes for it to go through the system. And if you have a past record, you don't get the gun. Unless a period of time goes by, but you don't get it in 30 minutes. Everybody knows that who purchases a weapon. So this isn't what happens. Wouldn't it be interesting if one of these news groups would actually go into a gun dealership and show people how it works? Not play gotcha, not advance an idea, just go in and show. And by the way, if the gun dealer thinks somebody's suspicious, they report them. They report them. Go ahead. Is gun violence a, a personal passion of his for decades? I will say that there are a number of components. I know you referenced the budget, but the president <laughs> called called for a three hundred million dollar. All right, increase. that's enough. Now this is the propaganda. He, you know, he called for a three hundred million dollar increase in funding for the cops program. He really did. And uh, if they had passed that, we would have really uh, we would really be in a better position. No, you wouldn't. It wasn't a matter of three hundred million dollars for the cops program. The mayor of New York slashed the cops' budget. They had the money. He slashed it by a billion dollars. The city council and mayor in Minneapolis, they slashed the cops' budget. The Seattle mayor and city council, they slashed the cops' budget. In Portland, they slashed the cops' budget. In Philadelphia, go on and on. Down the line, they slashed the budgets of the cops. It wasn't a matter of, we need more funding. They had the funding. They chopped the funding. Oh. Too much to expect a reporter to know that, isn't it? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. All right, they're about to sell out at the Reagan Library, so if you want to jump in, you need to jump in immediately. Word to the wise. I was just informed also, our friends at Bookends... Uh, Ridgewood, New Jersey, um, our virtual event there. Uh, what is that? Uh, on the 17th of July, uh, that's open to all. So if you want to participate in that uh, and you want to get a signed book uh, on a, a book plate, uh, that's something you can do too. So we want to make everything available to as many people as we possibly can. And of course, you can just go to Amazon and pre-order right now, so the book shows up at your uh, step uh, in five days, really four and a half days, so you're ready to roll. Uh, Big show this Sunday on the Fox News Channel at uh, 8 p.m., where I begin the journey, our journey together, and I also have the great Bob Woodson on for the other half of the program. I think think you'll find it fascinating, Um, and we'll do this over a period of weeks. Uh, I will be on Hannity tomorrow night, 9 p.m. Eastern, for the full hour, as I understand it. Uh, and we'll begin that process, uh, talking with Sean, and also uh, Fox and Friends Sunday, and then on Fox and Friends on Tuesday, and uh, off to the races, you and I go. We're doing this together. I feel you're going to be sitting right next to me. Uh, at least, At least that's the goal. 
All right, Mr. Producer, let's take some calls here. Let me see here. Uh, who do you suggest I speak to? Yeah, let me uh, let me see here. Arc- WSKY, Lou in Ocala, Florida. Go. Hey, yellow, yellow, point. yellow. One, you're absolutely right about the progressive liars. They should be called regressives. Language matters. The second point is anecdotal. Our favorite movie, Patton. This shows you how a single book helped a great general win a battle. You remember the scene when he's in North Africa on top of the ridge. Oh, yes. Watching Rommel approach. And he said, Rommel, you SOB, I read your book. Mm-hmm. In your case, you are helping us know the enemy. Because if we don't know the enemy... We can't defeat it. And that was what Rommel was saying. I mean, and I, sorry, strongly, saying. I strongly agree with that. I strongly believe it. And that's the purpose here. We need to know what we're up against. Right now, it's just kind of jello. Where's all this coming from? And so, and so we need to make it tangible and concrete. And we need to make our responses tangible and concrete. Brilliant call. Thank you very, very much. Uh, let's see. How about we go to Mark, Athens, Ohio, XM Satellite. Mark, go right ahead, please. Hey, Mark. Thanks for taking my call. You got it. Uh, so I am a veteran, first off. And, Thank you, um, sir. First off, I'm appalled. I'm appalled by us pulling out of Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like that a lot of our sacrifices were, um, you know, in vain over there because of what we're doing. But uh, second off... And by the way, if you're a Gold Star fan when you lost somebody in Afghanistan, this has to be a very tough time. A very, very tough time. We need to keep that in mind. I didn't lose anybody. I I had some friends that... uh, No, no, but there are Gold Star families that did. It's not a matter whether I know them or you know them, but they, they died. And so this is a very tough time for them watching what's taking place. Anyway, go ahead, Mark. But, uh... One of the things that I correlate with the commies, Democrats, leftists, whatever you want to call them, Marxists, what they're doing um, is very similar to what they do to us in basic training, right? They are attacking and breaking down every aspect of our, our, of our lives. They're, at, they're breaking down our education system. They're breaking down our health care system. They're breaking down our tax code. They're breaking down just every aspect of our lives much the same as the drill sergeants do, you know, in the military, where they, you know, they yell and scream and they take away our individuality, and that's in order to make us dependent and make us, you know... Yeah, I'm not sure I like that analogy. They're trying to make you fighting men and women, and I understand that, part of a team. But they're not dehumanizing you. And for the Marxists, it is all about dehumanizing the individual. And... uh, not defend a uh, a righteous principle like liberty and so forth, but to advance a uh, a very evil and diabolical ideology. So, and not only that, they're they're focused on the entirety of society, and they start with the weakest people who feel unattached to society, uh, people who are poor, uh, and they now are attacking elementary schools, and middle schools, and high schools. Uh, so I understand your point. 
uh, I don't think it's the best analogy because I don't think we need an analogy. We don't need an analogy. We need an explanation of who they are and what they're doing. And that is who they are, and that's what they're doing. I want to thank you for your service, sir. I appreciate it. Um, so, no, I don't think it's the same as a drill sergeant. This is, uh, this, this is an ideology. Uh, this isn't something where people voluntarily join the military. I mean, in the past we've had a draft, but not for decades and decades. Uh, nobody's volunteering to join any of this stuff. Those of us. And you'll notice the other thing. They claim to be the oppressed. And we're the oppressors. Actually, they're the oppressors. And they're trying to oppress us, as I explained in the first chapter. We'll be right back. This is the nation's town hall meeting. And you can join in at 877-381-3811. Let's go to Judith, Tucson, Arizona, the great KNST. Judith, how are you? Go right ahead. I thank you for taking my call. I love the fact that you played the national anthem in the beginning. Um, The reason I'm calling is I'm concerned about all the equipment over in Afghanistan that are they just going to leave that there so the Taliban can come out, come in and commandeer it and then use it again? Well, shockingly, at that one major base, that's exactly what they did. And the Afghan military didn't have a shot at getting in there and grabbing it. Because the Taliban swarmed in there. And the Taliban have done videos of all the, the equipment that they got. It's really outrageous the way Biden's handling this and General Austin and, and General Milley. Outrageous. Yeah, and then they're going to use it against the people. They're going to use it against the Afghan military and the Afghan people. That's correct. Yeah, that's terrific. It's appalling. All right, Judith, thank you for your call. Michael Avenatti, uh, now he's prisoner number 17769, I believe. Uh, He is going to jail for two and a half years for trying a scam of over $20 million against Nike, the, the family-oriented Nike. Maybe somebody in Nike ought to go to jail, too. And what's amazing about this, and they're playing it on Fox, and they should, is all the slobbering praise uh, that this man was given because he was another useful idiot to attack Donald Trump. And he used a porn actress to do it. He used other occasions to do it. And he was a slick talker. He was a very, very nasty guy. And uh, he was ripping off clients. This is just the first criminal trial. There'll be others, including in California. But the media don't care. It's like they grabbed this, this Brandy X. Lee, who Yale dropped. Because she was doing a psychoanalysis job on the President of the United States, as were others of her cohorts, which raised serious ethical questions. But they didn't care. The media loved her, too. The media used Adam Schiff, a serial leaker, a liar, a buffoon. Didn't matter that he was promoting a falsehood, an egregious falsehood about Russia collusion and all the rest. They promoted that, too. They didn't much care. And we can go on and on and on. But you knew Avenatti was a reprobate and a miscreant. 
It was quite obvious, but they didn't care. They don't care about the truth. They don't care, ladies and gentlemen. They are corrupt through and through. Corrupt through and through. And they repress the news. They censor information. They are social activists. They are part of the Democrat Party machine. They embrace many of these early Marxist so-called scholars and early so-called progressives like John Dewey. They're not a free press. This isn't a free press. Not by any stretch of the imagination. And they never apologize. And the executives that run these corrupt, phony news operations are never fired and they never resign. Look at Jeff Motherzucker. What about the clowns that run MSNBC and NBC and CBS and ABC? They're all fine. Look at the New York Slimes with the inbred who runs that, that newspaper. And the Washington Compost, Bezos, who as an article comes out is lobbying for higher taxes, excuse me, publicly speaking for higher taxes, while he's lobbying for lower taxes on him and his company. Where's Jeremy Barr, Mr. Producer? Jeremy. Jeremy, aren't you the media analyst? Now, as the media analyst, shouldn't you be doing a story on Jeff Bezos, your boss, and what he was doing? No, you're a fraud and a phony and a freak. May I say that with all due respect? Let's take another call, shall we? Ed, New York City, Sirius Satellite. Ed, go right ahead, please. Thank you for taking my call, Mark. I yes, hope sir. I can put a little smile on your face with what I tell you tonight. I live in Huntington, which you know the area pretty well. I was at your book signing for uh, your book about three years ago. Well, we're boarded by the town of Cold Spring Harbor and Northport. The local town officials tried to urbanize suburbia like you talked about. What they wanted to do is take stores, make a one-story walk-up, and put two, three layers on top of that of subsidized housing. Well, the people in the area raised up, Republicans, Democrats, liberals, everybody went together and fought this, and they took it off the docket. So my, my, my question, well, what I want to tell everybody is you have to get together and you have to fight. We can do it, and the wave is starting. Very good. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. You're exactly right. We're going to talk a lot about this. i got some great ideas. At the Reagan Library, there's only 70 tickets left out of, what did he say, 1,800 or whatever it is. So if you want to get in, you better get in fast. I'm just giving you a heads up. Don't forget our friends at Bookends. The whole country can participate there. And uh, we would love to have you, of course. What are you doing Sunday? What are you doing this Sunday? If you're in and around Washington, D.C., or even not so in and around Washington, D.C., there's a great cause that's occurring Sunday, July 11th, this Sunday, at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. There's going to be a huge march and rally of people. It's called No Fear, a rally in solidarity with the Jewish community. You know, we have righteous Gentiles throughout this country. Fantastic human beings. I think of so many. One of them is a good friend, Pastor John Hagee, and his family, and there are others, who fight anti-Semitism. 
They're not Jewish. But they are good, righteous human beings. I want to encourage those of you who are concerned about what you saw just a couple of months ago. And what you see taking place in this country. To participate in this rally. This peaceful First Amendment rally. Which will have groups from all walks of life and all backgrounds. And all ideologies, if there is such a thing in a moment like this. It's the No Fear Rally. And it'll be on the National Mall near the U.S. Capitol West Front. It's this Sunday, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. This Sunday, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. If you'll jot that down, if you happen to be in the area, I hope you'll participate. You have nothing to fear in this particular rally. Uh, This is a peaceful rally. The No Fear Rally. And if you're around and you do that, uh, I think you'll feel very, very good about it. Again, Sunday, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, on the National Mall near the U.S. Capitol West Front, No Fear, a rally in solidarity with the Jewish community. And uh, if you're available, I would encourage you to participate. I wanted to make that point, too. All right, Mr. Producer, who is next on the telephone, please? Albany XM Satellite. Tyler, how are you, sir? Tyler, go right ahead. How's it going, Mark? It's going great. Thank you. So I wanted to talk about, um, you know, Sleepy Joe and his decision to pull out of Afghanistan a little earlier than his, you know, supposed goal of September 11th. Um, I don't think that he's in the cognitive position to really lead the effective charge in, um, in in pulling our military out of Afghanistan, especially with you know the risk that the Taliban still like possesses in that country. Because you obviously know how destabilized that entire region is, not just Afghanistan. And I was I, I heard earlier today that you know they've actually taken over more ground bordering. I think Uzbekistan, Iran. And there was one other nation, but they take, they're starting to, you know, take back territory that we fought for for over 20 mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm 22, and I've got friends who are fighting in this war now that, you know, when we were just, you know, kids when 9-11 happened, and we went into this area, and I'm all for, you know, trying to, you know, scale down our military presence in such, you know, regions like the Middle East, but having this type of leadership that we have now in Washington, I just don't think it's the right, um, the right administration to get the job done effectively, because, you know, his boss, Obama, could not get it done the right way when they tried to pull out almost 10 years ago. So it's just. I I think it's a disaster. I think he is a such an incredible lightweight. I think he's surrounded by lightweights. We have better generals and admirals than this. The Secretary of Defense is weak. They are diverted by this social activist agenda that has been, in some cases, imposed on them, in other cases, uh, happily embraced. Uh, I'm just very, very concerned. If you can't withdraw properly. our troops, our sailors, our, our, um, our pilots, all the rest, these are top-notch men and women. They are the best of the best. 
But if the leadership is weak, the leadership is weak. Presidents like Lincoln saw it. Other presidents have had a problem with this. In the case of Biden, um, it really doesn't matter because uh, he's not really focused on the leadership within the military unless they do what he wants them to do and unless it meets the right diversity uh, uh, numbers in this particular department or that particular department. But I do understand your point completely. Thank you, my friend. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. XM Satellite, the state of New Mexico. Curtis, how are you, sir? Doing good, Mark. How are you this evening? Very well, thank you. I had a question, sir, or kind of more of a comment on listening to Jen Psaki give the press briefing about pulling our troops out of Afghanistan. And she made the comment that it was for national security. What are you, what are your thoughts on that? Now well, she's an idiot. Uh, those are my thoughts. Why do we believe anything she says? you know why she's up there? Two reasons. Joe Biden is too stupid to hold a regular press conference. So she's up there every day. And what is she up there every day to do? To lie. Because Joe Biden lies. Because his administration lies. Because these ideologues lie. So he lies. She lies. She lies about vaccines. She lies about who found the vaccines, who distributed the vaccines. She lies about the border. She lies about inflation and the economy. She lies endlessly. For me, I don't even care if they have press conferences anymore. You know, Kamala Harris doesn't have press conferences. Have you noticed that, sir? Are we missing anything other than the cackling and the idiocy? Not really. Not really. So now you know what it's like to live in a uh, totalitarian-type society where they spoon-feed you lies and the media regurgitate it. Pretty much. If you want to get real information, you have to do it on your own. There's certain websites you go to, certain cable sites you listen to or watch, certain broadcasters, and of course certain books. Because you're not going to get it otherwise. You're just not going to get it. And this is like this Brian Stelter. He slobbers over, you know, Avenatti. He slobbers over Jen Psaki. He slobbers over a bowl of spaghetti. But you get the point. And so the question to Psaki is, oh, how do you like your job? Is it different? Is it hard? Is it what? Everybody looked at this guy and said, you have no self-respect. You, you have no self-respect. Have I answered your question, sir? All right, I think I have. I have silenced him with my genius. Ladies and gentlemen, we've given you a lot of cool things here on the program today. I hope you'll get your copy of American Marxism right away. We're less than five days away from its release. Tomorrow starts my public interviews with Sean Hannity, 9 p.m. Eastern time on his program. I think the full hour. So I think you'll enjoy that. Then we start with Sunday. Uh, with the Fox the New Sunday and my own Sunday show and Monday, Tuesday and off we go I'm hoping you'll get a copy of the book it's 40% off on Amazon.com or you can get signed copies on the internet we salute all you heroes out there I thank you for your forbearance I am blessed that you're there don't forget the Reagan Library is about to sell out and bookends in New Jersey God bless <laughs> 